Good afternoon, everyone. How are we doing? I've, um, the signal, as far as I could see, was so bad for that that the 20-second countdown ended up being more like 30, 40 seconds. So hope you hear me okay. Points for anyone that throws me a comment first so that I know that it's working or that you just, uh, it's really glitchy and we'll try and tinker with a few dials here. We are sorting out the internet. You can imagine that this studio, we were meant to have people coming in. That was the intention. 2020 was going to be when we were filling this studio. We've got four microphones on the table here. We're going to have all sorts of great discussions. And now it's ended up having to be broadcast, live streamed everywhere in uh, just just me, pieces to camera and linking people in. And so if uh, if that is the case, then we've put a lot of pressure on the Internet. So we're thinking of getting a, an upgrade from that. Thanks, Jenny Archer, for first comment to tell me that it's clearly working and that she's listening likes jenny and um, we've had a few back and forth recently haven't we um and i will talk a little bit about some of that i think uh, later on especially in the around some of the things that apologies that this this show so the plan to talk about last week uh, was meant to be on friday i was going to sort of do a bit of a summing up uh, but as ever patients come first and so at midday last week uh, we had a bit of an emergency in clinic and i needed to uh, down tools with uh, all the media stuff and, and look after a patient and so we didn't do a Friday show. So apologies for those of you that was waiting on, on that. Uh, that uh, certainly wasn't planned, but doesn't matter. You know, we can sort of summarize that a little bit today. Uh, we didn't have a guest plan for today, but we've got some great ones coming up, which I'll talk to you about later. What happened last week is that we ended up in a, a mad controversy. I'm not going to sort of pretend it was sort of anything major. That's a, a few times. And that's what we're looking for is people to actually discuss your Drop right off. You're still uh, each part of the each part of the week we a different topic and some of them went off without a hitch others um ended up being for the challenges um and what i what i like about provoking discussion in this space is that typically you know there are such a, a wide variety of opinions yeah apologies i see jenny's just here that uh that I keep cutting out. I'm going to try and just roll with it, especially because hopefully some of the recording is is working and we can put this out on the podcast channels afterwards. But it does seem I'm noticing it, it jumping a little bit, even my end. So apologies. Uh, hopefully it sort of stabilizes a little bit. But uh, don't worry, I haven't said anything interesting. Not that I have done on this show anyway. Uh, but yeah, what we what we'll go through is um, each of each of last week's episodes were interesting, but um, each of them brought with them some great opinions some of them spicy but also they can be fraught with um and what i really dislike is when things get misrepresented or put out of context and then it gets played back to me and i don't recognize my own opinions that people are challenging and sometimes that's sort of purposeful sometimes people will do what's called straw manning whereby they will 
infer that you're making a point that you're not in order to then better it because they're trying to win whether they mean to do that or not you know generally speaking it's it's to infer a weakness of argument because it's not representative of your actual point and then sometimes there's people that just want to uh you know they they they, they genuinely or willfully misunderstand what it is you're trying to get at and therefore they end up trying to oppose a position that you don't hold not because they're trying to build up your position differently but because they're just not understanding it or they're not doing the work to do so or not watching that show understanding that tweet or what's behind it etc and so um, I can clarify a few things here but also one of the big things that is probably worth me mentioning is that it's uh it's something that tactically, you know, I bump into all the time, right? Fairly long in the tooth when it comes to interacting on social media these days. So nothing surprises me. But it's certainly an area and it's a time in which we need to find a way to communicate better. And therefore, I can't help but just try and flag these as learning points for us all to move forward better. And also for me to understand how I can communicate better so that I can make a few mistakes. And, and for those that are more genuinely trying to comprehend a position and, and struggling to, that's a miscommunication from me. But there are circumstances where there's clearly no effort being made to even understand the, the details. And so uh, when those things occur, um, I definitely want to try and challenge some of that and understand what can be underneath that willful misrepresentation that can occur sometimes. Now, on Monday, I talked a little bit about evidence-informed practice, evidence-based practice, clinical reasoning, critical reasoning, this idea of trying to balance uh, the subjective with the objective, the lived experience and anecdote-based uh, practical practice with the more research-based and understanding mechanisms from a scientifically literate background, as well as understanding the effect sizes required to, to treat modalities, what, what does or doesn't work. We talked a bit about that. Now, that is something that always gets people's juices flowing, and rightly so, because it's sort of central to how we go about delivering the care that we deliver. And so I was really pleased to see that a lot of people really got back to me on that and were really interested in, in giving their take. Um, the the big thing that I find, and this is not a, I don't want it to sound too much like a fence set, but my, I think it's because my biggest problem with with that topic is definitely when people are wanting to infer an inherent superiority of approach without really considering some of the philosophical underpinnings to what they're just getting at. And I don't even need to be nerdy. I'm just meaning that if you really want to infer that a really to the letter following of the scientific method is something that you would like to see employed across MSK practice and yet you're not recognizing that that sense of empiricism is something that has legitimate challenges to it and that you're not willing to engage with what you might lose by approaching that in such a such a, a way similarly if you're someone that just feels like well there's nothing more rich than than a clinic a clinician's experience and practice and that them considering the individual anecdotes of their patients means that you know fundamentally who are we or who is the research to ever suggest that something is or isn't poor practice or you know it really can be that that depending on the specific needs and wants of a patient, then anything should go because you're just trying to, that's person-centered care is to essentially, on any individual level, uh, anything should should be up for grabs. You know, there's no modality off the table. There's no style of practice, style of reasoning uh, that should be ever off the table. That, I was describing a, an empirical objective um, sort of sense of, of, of how we should go about things. I'm now describing the subjective anecdote-based um, side of things. And Again, hold that position. 
right? And, and some people do, and, and there's people across that entire spectrum. But I'm just meaning that please don't fail to recognize the fact that there's clearly really smart people all over this spectrum, but also that there's some assumptions that you're bringing to it that are worth un unpacking and making sure that you articulate them because we need to find a way to speak a common language across it. Now, my opinion on this is such that you want to, I'm certainly someone that feels that the filter People sometimes were, were, were um, well, last week certainly they were challenging me to say, well, where do you fit on how, what sort of um, reasoning, heuristic, call it what you will, do you apply? Like how soon would you bring forward uh, your, um, you know, how, how quickly would you put something through a filter that would require it to meet a standard of, of evidence in a, in a scientific sense? Now, evidence, of course, is a word that, that can mean you know, anecdotal evidence, etc. But what I think they were meaning is would it reach a certain standard of, of research credibility, let's say, or scientific plausibility? Now, there's two things there. One, I have a fairly, you know, it, it, most things have to go through a biological plausibility filter with me. And so when it comes to modalities or it comes to what you're inferring as to be the mechanism of effect or, or what might be causing something, then fundamentally I have a fairly, you know, it's something that is quite early in thinking about something. It goes through a filter like that. So I'm someone that really has no time for uh, things that I see as being, um, and I, I'm quite ready to I've, I've thought enough about it to be quite ready to dismiss things so for example if someone wants to infer that um that a certain style of care or sort and even timing is going to be relevant to their horoscope then i'm not going to dismiss it out of hand if that's something a patient is really into but it's certainly not something i will indulge or or, or comply with in any which way similarly when it comes to things like energy medicine or things that don't have a plausible mechanism of effect that i can comprehend in based on 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 western scientific principles you know it's something that i just don't really have have time for now doesn't mean i've not thought about plenty of these things but it's something that you know generally there's there's a fairly hard stop for me with regards to things that, that feel like they're, they're erring on the supernatural really uh, disputed mechanisms of effect that sort of stuff but then when it comes to so that's that's more mechanistically but then when it comes to what needs to have been tested in an RCT like for like with regards to specific modalities or on specific conditions or when you've had A versus B trials, etc. then that's something that I am a little bit more liberal on. Now, that's saying that, unfortunately, we're such a young, a young science in many ways in MSK. And whilst we can bring multiple different factors affecting uh, the evidence base, when it comes to sort of trial arms and the robustness of quality studies, they're, they're fairly thin on the ground in many ways. And when they've been done, sometimes that's where you end up with this really quite uh, blunt instrument, you know, that comes through, through with like nice guidance, etc. And so I end up in a situation where for that, I feel like there's, there's, certain things that the evidence can guide us on but certainly it's unlikely that it's going to be able to you're going to see anyone sit in front of you and you're going to realize the the path is that the really specific route to recovery has been laid out by an evidence base even if you're really close to it and so that's what i'm suspicious of and what i'm getting at with that is if someone presents in front of me with with uh, knee pain and they that let's coincidentally say they fit a really clean diagnostic category even something broad like oa knee got medial compartment oa knee I don't feel like the evidence base, as I understand it, really shows me a, a really crisp route where I could almost just read from a list. Not that I would do or you, anyone would suggest I would, but I'm just meaning that I wouldn't say that there, there isn't uh, gradations of that that would need to be individually tailored to the patient. And even in, and as soon as you go beyond to, to less 
common diagnoses that have been studied less, then you end up in a situation where you've got that, that touch of expertise and clinical reasoning and individualizing it to the patient that certainly means that there's more things on the table uh, than, than the hard evidence, uh, the research evidence would suggest. So that's where I end up sitting. And, and, and that means that on a case by case basis, uh, people are sometimes surprised that I end up sort of championing lived experience, anecdote based uh, patient narrative work, uh, because sometimes that can really get help us to give a clue as to how people were feeling and why they were wanting to indulge things that, that the evidence doesn't suggest would be effective. And then on the other side, there's sometimes cases where I think that people get carried away on a fact with, on a theme with that and it's just a, a a way in which they can justify quite dated modalities or styles of care or they want to infer things that i don't think can be supported because they're just like it people want it you know i feel it works you know no time for that either so it ends up being a really interesting balance so that was Monday's show. Tuesday's show, uh, controversial, but certainly stoked less fire from, from you guys. I think there was clearly uh, you guys are fairly uh, in agreement, it seems, with, with Katie. Um, for those that are tuning in live, and hopefully it's not glitching still, uh, do let me know how the signal's coming through. But also throw out your thoughts as you can as to what I was just describing with regards to that evidence-informed balance. That's really interesting. Um, I want to say as well, the... the um, Thing with Katie, which is definitely something that I think we need to roll on every few weeks. I think we need to get someone on the show to sort of talk about their experiences there with regards to private practice, private, private medical insurers. As she was talking a little bit about health code starting to charge and, and just rates getting squeezed, how we can raise standards without this race to the bottom keep occurring, how we can stop five to 10% of a profession sort of willingly accepting 20 quid a patient and how if we continue to have that, then how is it that we can raise standards um, and, and try to make sure that we can get better value and be respected uh, for better value. We talked a little bit about professions that do seem to have that. And uh, as I said, a few push, but less pushback from you guys because of the, the topic being something that I think is fairly close to a lot of people's hearts right now. Uh, but I would definitely be interested in um, in any further people you'd like to have on, had for me to have on to discuss that sort of thing, because it's something that is, is fraught with challenges, but it's definitely somewhere that I'd like to for us to do some important work. But as for how to do it, you know, that's uh, that's difficult. You know, I've got understanding as to how that fits in with some work of MSKR, and we've got a great plan for that. But I mean, in terms of broadcasting and sharing and, and getting people's stories and experiences through, then definitely share, send me some names or put your hand up if you'd like to discuss that further. Um, that'd be really valuable. On Wednesday, I weighed in on, on AHP Day. Um, I was sort of challenging the fact or questioning and wondering as to what the utility was for a category between a professional identity of which people qualify into and, and sign a register to declare themselves as, in my case, therapist. I'm someone that really challenges the, the notion of that being something that's especially important and relevant. Uh, under a professional identity relative to the sector in which I work in. So, you know, it's a hair's breadth with regards to care I deliver as an MSK physio relative to a sports therapist, osteopath, chiropractor that might be pulling from a similar evidence base. Um, so, um, you know, I'm someone that really is counter tribal with professional identities and recognize the fact that you register against a certain set of standards and you qualify to that title. But what I then uh, recognize is I layered across professional and personal and so it was clear that I reckon working in a healthcare professional health and social professional even and so that's something completely understood 
I was then with Allied Health Professional, which is AHP, 14, um, this, um, you could see, you know, say, 25 different ones that work within particular health services that could potentially be considered, and it will just at the moment grabbing it as being quite why and not others and the because it's often in which it's seen for trust level NHS governance and national government to actually have you know doctors nurse HPs for smaller groups but it was just a degree error that I'm to occur something that I was questioning and that's why it's practical smart it's something that on a governance level for the directorates and you know it's like you know totally get it and and then on the show was meaning is there's no reason for category that they sort of be being peddled in as a, a core identity that's relevant between the, the hcp the healthcare descriptive that uh, um a hp thing with is as really impractical term that what it did was just sort of make me really, really thoughtful. I really like the opinion and really care about their take on were sort of describing their pride under that. Here. And I was just fascinated with something that I just like to spoke to a lot of people in Indians across various disciplines, language therapists getting in touch with me, and, and all sorts of stuff that I had where, where agreement and disagreement. But this was an area, so which, you know, my um, the things that were getting reflected back, back to me was probably. 10 points or comments that probably two or three of them were actually caring to understand or, or challenge you know a lot of them it's not a problem so, uh, I probably that it was a spicy opinion but definitely stuff that was coming back to me unfortunately seven or eight out of every 10 coming back so in that I wasn't comprehending the fact that small professions might want to club together for, for reasons of political the point I start um, people that wanted to or giving um, correlations and analogies that just don't really fairly carry you know the people suggesting that it was as if it was as that you'd make against a pride mark be the equivalent to saying all lives matter in the face of what it was getting a bit again in that direction something that just didn't tentative certainly doesn't re I don't recognize that analogy pack it well enough you know if it's something then it's certainly need to work up further because that I'm describing the fact that it's inclusive to things that could be in there um, and it, it arbitrary lines where the issue is. and then the uh, I did admit to being a bit grumpy about the show a few weeks ago, the world physio days like I'm intrigued by the utility of those of things so I don't know a great point where it's like some emotions really bent from raising awareness of got half a dozen physios in the whole country and stuff like a soul can understand that in certain specific contexts in which it, but i just i'd love to know the the effect of those sorts of things when you you know i, I sort of ends up being a bit, so that was uh, my, my take on the matter um and it, yeah but it ended some people clearly really strongly so a counter to my points are often that there's so many there, there were so many people I did hear from 
I mean, it'd need to be in its tens of thousands for it to be a representative sample for the for it to be um, proving a point. But you know, there are clearly people that really strongly identify with what it means to be an AHP under that title uh, with that badge, etc. And uh, and that is some some proof that that's there's more for me to understand. So I look forward to hearing more about it. But it's certainly not something I've, I've made my mind up on. But it's just uh, an area where um, I didn't realise yet yeah, the landmines I was going to stand on and who I was going to piss off by even just questioning the utility of the category and the fact that does it need a day um, is something that was heresy to some people and so yeah you know fascinating uh, to, to, to walk into that and then on Thursday we talked about manual therapy I did joke at the time saying that uh, in case we were, we were worried about uh, other things um, being discussed that were uh, less contentious than uh, AHPs the manual therapy and massage is, is never one that's going to be safe um, but we had a really interesting chat, so do check out that. Me and Matt Scarsbrook went into it. I'm going to have a little look at some of these comments. I don't know, I haven't had anyone saying that they're uh, it's cutting off as much and my signal seems to be a bit more stable, so apologies for that early doors. Um, but let's have a little look. I think this came up, Jenny, uh, about 10 minutes ago, so this was when I was talking about evidence-informed practice. So let's have a little look. What's Jenny saying here? Hi, Jenny. You can't really have an in-depth discussion in this way about how profession can continue and change to meet new science and challenge. If you wish to talk about physiotherapy philosophy, I don't think there is much argument from people who know their stuff and are open to re-examine what they do. Physios really wanted a group to ourselves. Oh, I think this is then onto the AHP thing. Well, let me let me just visit this comment then first. About um, you can't really have an in-depth discussion um, about the evidence base. I can bloody try, Jenny. I've, I've been doing it for years, uh, on and off the podcast, especially our long-form podcast. Um, I, went, I remember getting deep into philosophy with Roger Kerry a few years ago. I've been involved in the Cause Health Project, which is actually run by philosophers. It's something that you, you can get into the depths of it. And um, if everyone comes at it in good faith, then uh, you, make some, you make some really great progress. I think that, unfortunately, people don't always know and recognize their own deep biases, especially when we, when we start to become more experienced. Um, it's, it's really... I think that that's where it's fascinating because I notice it in myself is that there is just this natural assumed wisdom that comes from re repetition and mileage and things like that, that then I don't know if there's a mechanism in which you can really stop it really influencing your reasoning in such a way that even the most of robust of trials that could show a superiority of an intervention that you're otherwise not a fan of. It'd be incredibly difficult, right? The cognitive dissonance that can weigh on those moments, I think, is is, is fascinating, and and so it's, it takes for real good faith, open dialogue for us to even get anywhere with that. But unfortunately, it's so fraught with uh, people that are really invested, and and I've noticed before that you know my core reason for for re way in which I go about these discussions is to say. That, Criticizing ideas rather than people is all well and good, but once people attach ideas to their character, to their personhood, when they are a insert style of therapies so central to their being and might have been for decades, then any critique of that modality or style becomes something that wounds people in such a way. That is incredibly challenging. It's something that we, we, but if we don't find a way past that, and it's just seen as being any critique of a modality or style of care or practice is, is actually heresy, is, is testament to, to rudeness and in, unprofessional and stuff. And we're never going to make progress. And the people that suffer from that are patients and eventually 
um, professions or industries at large, whereby they just, you know, this nonsense that can get peddled that's can left behind by evidence. But essentially, we're so um, you're tipping toe, tiptoeing round each other to actually have sensible discussions about it. Um, I mean, I think that the end of it, you certainly I'd agree with, which is that if you speak to people that know their stuff, who've examined their own sort of thoughts and biases on it, then you can have a decent conversation. I don't, I don't disagree. But in the sort of hundreds of thousands of people that practice. Uh, across the MSK disciplines in this country and beyond, um, we need a, we need a, a larger section of them to be able to have that discussion without being sort of uh, pissy and having the fist clench when their favourite thing or toy is is criticised or critiqued or even mocked or whatever. You know, it's like we need to find a way to get a bit of a thicker skin, in my opinion. And yes, and there's a, a great point here again from Jenny about the AHP thing wanting a group to ourselves give numbers and medical training negotiating protection of title and then titles of professions allied to medicine this is something that came up with regards to the history of that title ahp um from jenny and others on twitter which is definitely really relevant so the backstory is, is relevant and it was great for me to i knew some of it but not all of it um but also that I was hearing about some of the history of it from people that were really supportive and really into and identified strongly with the term AHP, as well as those that were using that history to say, look, it was something that, that emerged from need for representation to stop us being clubbed in with doctors and nurses in such a way that sometimes lost an important parts of our identity and therefore OTs, physios, speech and language therapists, and then additionally, you know, up to 14 now professions. Um, was it was an essential part of it but they weren't necessarily then saying and that's why it's super important leave it alone jack they were then saying so i agree with you that it's arbitrary as a category that it's something that you you know you've never consented to as an identity and therefore they were sort of saying that the the, the history and the legacy of it is actually telling that it is more of a governance and political category and strategy than it is something that needs to then be put, sort of pushed and, and and suggested as being something that's a relevant and, and central identity oh it's clearly such an important difference there um now one of the fortunate things and i'll, I'll bring this to a close now on, on the ahp front thank you so much uh, jenny for, for commenting as well as uh my hecklers here um jack march giving me some grief for not having friends in my empty studio but yeah thanks a lot especially sorry about the uh, technical issues but let me finish on this is that um one of the fortunate things that that happens when you sort of talk about something like this you have a little bit of a storm in a teacup and then it's uh, really interesting to reflect on whether or not it matters right i'm not meaning to split hairs on the ahp thing thing or uh, talk about evidence-based practice in and i'm not meaning to be contentious in any sort of divisive way similarly when we talk about private medical insurers there's all sorts of things that we touched on last week that it's like some of them are important and some of them might not be and i think it's something that's really valuable for us to reflect on but i'm not for a second thinking that right we need to sort this out you know we need to come up with an answer together not at all no sometimes it's just me floating questions that might emerge um and that's why we just chew it over so as i said at the start anyone that's uh, across those different topics uh, various different acronyms that we seem to visit last week then please do tune in um, when we discuss them further uh, which will be coming up in future episodes but also if there's anyone that you'd like us to talk to or if you want to put your hand up and say I'd like to come on the show to discuss that further then please let me know that'd be really good to hear um, tonight we've got a special broadcast about therapy live sport announcing the full timetable and agenda 7th of november but also tonight 7 30 i'll be live streaming to these channels uh, to talk a bit about that for half an hour or so so ask me anything episode type questions as well that we've got coming um and announcing our physio matters plus and therapy live membership options that are going to get you uh, all of the goodies that come associated to, to all of our events which is exciting and then this friday we have an event with mskr 
another acronym, isn't it? MSK about acronyms, about FCP, about APP. Um, and so do check that out on social media. If you tap in FCP, MSKR onto even Eventbrite, or you could Google it, but you'll find it on MSKR's social media. We've got an event on Friday, which is a panel discussion all about sort of the developments of advanced practice and, and, and first contact practice. Some of it's fraught challenges, but also, you know, this sort of fantastic roadmap that's just come out from NHS, in, uh, sorry, Health Education England, um, which Amanda Hensman Crook and Neil Langridge have been putting together, et cetera, as, as many others have contributed to it. Phenomenal work that um, is going to really help to guide that landscape and for us to discuss it more openly. So MSKR, Thinking in Public event, still tickets available for that, I understand, on Friday. Again, check out social media to, to find out more about that. But lots coming from us this week, but especially tune in tonight if you want to hear more about Therapy Live Sports, final agenda announcements, as well as some special guests that we can announce later as well. All right, thanks a lot for joining. Take care. Sorry again about the technical issues. I'll see you tomorrow. And tomorrow I've got a special guest, Pip White. He's going to be talking about prescriptions of, of medication and the way in which the utility, especially for physiotherapists, she works as a professional advisor at the CSP, and she's going to be talking a little bit about some of the more the, the activism and ag advocacy work that she's continued to try and get certain things registered and classified properly so that we can administer those medications so it'd be really interesting chat she's got a great uh, a great uh, track record of championing some some work in that space so do tune in to hear me and pip white chewing over all things sort of pharmaceuticals um so yeah i think that's me for now thanks again for everything hopefully i can uh, without further ado Oh, you see, I'm not, I'm not smooth enough on these things, am I? Especially when it's glitching. All right, take care. See you tomorrow.